Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 10, How to Be Sharp with Meat. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Andrew as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good, Alex. How about you? I'm doing good. This is finally the 10th episode, so I'm in double digits right now, so I'm very happy. And uh, today we're going to be talking about butchery. Is that it? Butchery? Yeah, yeah, definitely butchery, you know, uh, the subtle art of cutting meat. And But before we start to talk about that, uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, yeah, you know, I was uh, born and raised here in Ottawa, Ontario, um, but that hasn't really stopped me from doing a fair bit of traveling in my time um, with family and alone, but you know, uh, something about traveling really get to experience all kinds of new cuisines, meeting new people, and uh, learning about new cultures, so kind of feel like um, it has really helped me um, explore the world of cuisine and uh, I kind of feel like that's a big part of who I am. You're, you are food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously I'm more than, a little bit more than that, but you know. You know 70% uh, water. <laughs> you know, lately um, definitely it's come to dominate my days and uh, really helped me um, with my uh, career, you know, working as a butcher and um yeah, just a little bit about me. And um, so what kind of meat do you tend to prepare? Is it just meat or? Uh, yeah, you know, well, I work with a couple of vegetables here and there, you know, <laughs> it tends to uh, balance <laughs> you know, things out a bit. Add the vitamins right yeah, there. Yeah, of yeah. course. Most of the work I do is with uh, chicken and pork, uh, beef and lamb. You know, uh, four of the more prominent meats in Canada, North America, you know, Western culture. Okay, okay. And you kind of answered the question already, but your hobby is attached to your career. So you, you do your hobby back when you're at home too, right? Something that you prepare, or you enjoy so much that you do it at work that you do it back at home? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's 24-7 for me. Um, definitely bring my work home with me, which is always a pleasure. Um, Literally bringing it home? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> from bringing home different cuts and... Uh, exploring with different uh, techniques of, you know, cutting and and uh, marinating and braising, cooking, and all sorts of different styles of um, consuming meat. It's a full-time job for me. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I'm always kind of on the lookout for the next good meat recipe. So. It's so <laughs> good that you bring home the bacon. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. You know, I mean, uh, just been lately uh, really appreciating some bacon. I was cooking up myself lately. Uh, I uh, brined some bacon and uh, home smoked it and got like a whole pantry full of it. So I'll be enjoying that, you know, the next couple of days. So, you know, you're making me hungry. I, we should just stop the podcast and just <laughs> go try. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm always game for that. <laughs> for the listeners who are eating right now, you should just visit his butcher shop right now. It's the meat is good. And then every time I go over to it's Andrew's place, he always has something new to taste. Even if it's a little bit, the flavor is just, it hits you hard and it's good. But sorry, back to the, the podcast questions. <laughs> um, when did you become interested in preparing meat or butchery or butchering? Um, it's probably about uh, maybe five or so, five or six years ago, something like that. I mean, I've always been interested in food since I was fairly young. Um, I'm Mom taught me a lot about cooking and flavor. It was really uh, when I was in the middle of my university education that I kind of started to focus a little bit more on meat and uh, all of that uh, that entails consuming meat, which includes like the farming, 
and the agricultural aspect and the uh, waste components of that. So um, through my studies, I really started to get an appreciation for um, certain kinds of meats and uh, really kind of my interest blossomed from there. Okay. And so it wasn't necessarily a person that introduced you to it. It was just life in general? Yeah. You know, I mean, um, definitely there were a few people that I, uh, you know, owe a lot to um, that really kind of showed me a lot about uh, different kinds of meat. But mostly it was, um, you know, a lot of uh, unnamed cooks that, you know, I've tried their food either, you know, on the streets or in their restaurants um, that have had a huge impact on me. So I don't really know their names, but, uh, you know, if I could definitely give a shout out to them, I, I would, you know, the anonymous cook out there that's always holding down the quality meals for people day in and day out. Yeah, the ones that are listening that you know who he's talking about, you know who you are. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, what would you say is the best part about being a butcher or pre preparing meats? On a personal level, let's say emotionally or anything like that? Um, the best part, I mean, it's hard to really nail down the best part. Definitely working with uh, some really uh, well-raised animals. It's a real pleasure to, to do that. It's always very clean and, uh, you know, I don't have to deal with any issues um, that you might see in things, uh, animals that are really poorly treated. Um, and then might have uh, a lot of spoilage in the meat. So that's always nice. But I mean, really, it's uh, connecting with the community over the counter. That's uh, the biggest draw. Talking with people on a day-to-day -day basis about uh, food and cuisine and the different things that they're doing and how it brings often these uh, people together. You know, a great meal can really go a long way, especially for holiday events. It's really a great part great uh, to be a part of that and uh, you really get a good good aspect of that working over the counter at a butcher shop and once again you bring this back at home and in, let's say for family meals or family events do you prepare certain uh, different types of food with meat and is that like your experiment lab in the sense where you try to do new things when cooking yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I'm my parents are always willing to be my guinea pigs when it comes to different uh, recipes. Um, yeah, you know, I always feel like, especially now that, you know, I have access to such quality meat that if I don't bring something to the party, you know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, I just, I feel like I should be spreading, spreading the love, you know, of course, so to speak. Of course. <laughs> well, speaking about spreading the love, I, today I actually had Miguel come in and talk about cigars as his hobby. He comes into your butcher shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And, yeah, he's uh, a cool guy. Yeah, he was going to talk to you Love about cigars <laughs> and stuff like that. So he's a cigar enthusiast. But either way, we're we're getting off topic for this for well for my end. You're you're still on topic. <laughs> um, so you said you traveled a lot, and did you gain anything from traveling when it comes to preparing meat or learning about new recipes or? just meat in general from another country's perspective uh yeah absolutely i mean for me um even though i had a really great cook in my mom growing up i was always the pickiest really? eater um okay. in my family at least definitely ran ran them through some rough periods you know refusing to eat a lot of things this and, is yesterday right yeah <laughs> no not quite you're talking quite some time ago but you know, it was really uh, my first trip abroad that uh, I was sort of forced to try something new. 
and uh, interesting and definitely um, unorthodox in terms of, you know, even a lot of Western ideas about cooking uh, in terms of, you know, kinds of meat. But it was something that really opened my eyes to the possibilities and it's changed me ever since and each each new experience adds and builds builds on that original mm-hmm. um sort of epiphany in terms of food okay so where was the first place you went to go abroad to try something new that made you open your eyes to different culture and different food um well i mean it was on a uh on a trip that i started to slowly get an appre- i mean i was always a fan of meat so when I was traveling through Spain with my family for the first time, I consumed a heck of a lot of jamón and mm. coarse cheese and uh, and bread and uh, a lot of low carnivor- carnivorous uh, delicacies that you know were quite a delight and that I really enjoyed. But it was really kind of on my excursion with my family through Morocco on the same trip that opened my eyes to the possibilities of flavor in terms of liking different kinds of meats and spices and just not uh and be willing to try something new that uh really kind of that trip helped uh wake woke my eyes to how powerful that can be okay and so your hobby being a butcher and also being a butcher as your career they're both connected together you can correct me if i'm wrong but at a butcher shop you don't do much of the cooking aspect it's just the preparing correct yeah, not really. I mean, um, we don't we don't do too much uh, cooking except mm-hmm. you know we we uh, might prepare certain delis or whatever for the case. But as far as uh, the cooking we do, it's or at least I do, it's mostly at home. But you know, you kind of get a sense for sort of like you uh, living or cooking vicariously with your customers. In a way, you know, they're always showing you pictures about what you're doing, what they're doing with the meats that they buy and talking about what they're planning on doing next. And so you really get, you know, that whole experience, even if you're not sitting in front of a stove yourself. Okay. So in other words, you get your new recipe ideas and your new recipe ideas. I'm saying the same thing twice from customers or on the internet, recipe books, where is the majority of the ideas come from? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, there's always a give and take when when you're dealing with people over the counter, like uh, selling people meat. You know, they're talking about uh, recipes and flavors that I haven't considered before. And I'm always uh, intrigued to hear what they're doing because, you know, I mean, it's always an education. And when they ask me about what I like to do, it could be completely different from what they've ever done. And it's a real joy to have these types of conversations. But you know, definitely the best the best meals, the best recipes I've come up with have been through trial and error, kind of like uh, testing certain recipes at home, uh, batch over batch, and finding people willing to eat that. But um, a lot of the time, it just becomes me and I chow down quite a bit. So, I mean, that's that's really the fun part. Would you consider yourself a perfectionist when it comes to cooking? Let's say you have a batch of meat. Do you cook like the whole thing at once or do you cut it in pieces and try to cook it? in different styles, like with different spices or different heat temperature, longer period. I could be completely off, but. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm definitely mm. trying to nail it, you know, and when you have, uh, you know, one piece of meat, it's a little bit harder to do that. So, I mean, definitely 
I like to uh, split it up into multiple pieces and try different marinades, try different spices and levels of spices and, um, you know, whether to toast or uh, just toast spices or use them whole or grind them, you know, all kinds of different variations you can find uh, have huge impacts on the flavor that you end up uh, tasting on the plate. So speaking about flavor, is there a favorite spice that you prefer to use? I know you can't use the one spice for everything, but is there that one to either your one to go spice or two go spice kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I definitely use quite a bit of it. Um, cumin, I find it's good in almost most, pretty much all of my dishes. Um, <laughs> so it is your go-to spice. It. You know, I uh, go through quite a bit of it. There are a lot of times when I am tempted to just use only cumin. Um, it's just a great flavor. It works well with a lot of uh, different cuisines. You find different uh, uses for it, depending on how much you're planning on using and even what style of cumin, because there are all kinds of cumins. You know, there's black cumin and wild cumin is different from domestic cumin. And um, you get really kind of uh, a whole spectrum of flavors when you're even talking just one spice. Um, that's kind of one of the things that it's always interesting to me uh, is, you know, you kind of think that there is maybe just regular black pepper or something like that. And you find out that there's all kinds of variations of black pepper and, you know, each one has something great to bring to the table. And you can mm -hmm. have a lot of fun, mm -hmm. you know, working with that. And um, yeah, so just kind well, of you introduced, you introduced me to uh, smoked salt and pepper. Uh, yeah. I use that on everything. Oh yeah, my goodness, it tastes so good. good. Um, so what is the easiest meal for you to prepare? What is also your favorite? Uh, it's probably, actually, no, definitely it's got to be the hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> Classic you know, hamburger. It's uh, so great. If you get, get the right beef, get a nice bun, whatever. You don't even need like a fancy brioche or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, your classic Texas white style bun and a bit of processed cheese and can't go wrong with a nice, nice hamburger. You really can't. And it's pretty easy to make right but I, I could still i could still screw it up but i mean i feel like you have it down to a science <laughs> and what is the hardest meal to prepare but you're able to do it but just mm. barely you know what i mean uh yeah i don't know i mean uh probably roasting any kind of game pigeon I mean, I've had some tricky times with that, you know, roasting pigeon, uh, Cornish hens and things like that. You know, you, you definitely have to take your time and and be very careful about the temperature you're using and, and the uh, and the timing of it has to be really spot on because they can dry out pretty quickly. So, I mean, those are pretty, pretty tricky to do, something that I don't always have the time and energy for. I really like to go for things that are one pot braising dishes i find those are fantastic you know you can just sort of set these and forget them for about you know a couple hours and then come back and you have a great meal now when you say the one pot thing i know you have an instant pot because you convinced me to get my own instant pot do you use that a lot for your meat or do you like more a barbecue or a pan on an oven i uh, i do use the instant pot quite a bit it's uh fantastic um, product ever, placement right there <laughs> yeah you know i mean they, they definitely didn't sponsor this or anything like that <laughs> but uh i definitely do love that uh glorious machine it has saved me quite a bit of time and you know it just allows you to appreciate a lot uh, cuts that you know you would really have to take your time with 
traditionally brazing, you know, something that would take like a, at least two or three hours to braise, you can nail that down in less than an hour uh, with your instant pot. And it's a great way to save money. It's a great way to increase the and maximize the flavor of, of your meat and get the most bang for your buck. Mm. Now to switch gears a little bit, did your studies or university degree have anything to do with your interests in meat or your development in learning more about it? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, having uh, chosen my degree to be in uh, sociology and anthropology, you know, those are really subjects that have quite a bit of diversity within them and uh, allow me the freedom to choose farming and agricultural techniques, uh, you know, and the systems analysis to um, learn about the way we grow our food and raise the animals uh, for our food supply and got me really interested in how we might be able to pursue an alternative to the industrial model. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that, um, even when I was still in university, it really pushed me uh, that knowing that, you know, the conditions and everything pushed me to find an entry into sort of a viable alternative to that, you know, model. Okay. Now, speaking about anthropology is learning more about the history of different things. Have you ever considered trying to cook meat in, I'd say, an old-fashioned way or the way they would would have done it maybe, I don't know, a thousand years ago? Have you ever considered that or you're comfortable with the Instant Pot? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, um, definitely. Uh, I kind of, I sometimes feel, I mean, in, in terms of like recipes, I always am interested in uh, reading about, uh, you know, ancient, you know, recipes. Um, lately, actually, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was maybe a few months ago. I was pouring over a book. Uh, it was all about um, the history of, you know, the English sausage and um, how it evolved um, through t- uh, back through the Roman era, mm-hmm. the spices and the idea of using breadcrumbs or rusk uh, in the sausages and things like that. Uh, it was a fascinating book that was full of recipes, you know, from court uh, cooks to, you know, average tavern recipes that tavern cooks were uh, grilling up and frying up for their guests to, you know, home recipes. And even lately, I've uh, taken to uh, this book about um, the ancient Mesopotamian recipes that are, you know, uh, focusing on the spices and the styles of cooking that were prominent, you know, in the time of the ancient Sumerians, mostly braising and frying were very popular. So I've been having a good, good time reading about different flavors uh, and spices that were prominent back then that, you know, you can't really get nowadays. Oh, not at all? Well, I mean, uh, some of them, not really, not anymore. Others, you definitely have to be in the region to be harvesting these plants that Mm. only grow in that area. And, you know, not really feasible (laughs) at 8 o'clock at night (laughs) after work. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can imagine. Do you get sometimes uh, that curiosity to just try to, think of how that spice would taste because just reading about it i'm guessing you're like ooh, i wonder what it tastes like you can describe it as much as you want but to taste something sometimes is very hard to describe do you ever get that uh, feeling you really want to taste that spice you read a lot about definitely definitely i mean descriptions only do so much for you you can get an idea of what it might be like but 
yeah, flavor flavor is the real um, adjudicator. And uh, I daydream about trying all kinds of different spices because uh, there are so many out there. It's amazing. I mean, different spice vendors will have different uh, different access to different spices and you know you can have a field day shopping in uh, different marketplaces and mm-hmm. uh, discovering different spices and going online it's pretty amazing what some of these online retailers have access to in terms of spices grown in far-flung places of the world have you ever considered making your own spice by just combining other spices together or even picking a leaf off a tree. I know that's exaggerating picking a leaf off a tree, but I mean, just finding flavors and creating your own special spice for meat. Because I know different meat will absorb the spice in different ways and accent different tastes, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I never would have, I wouldn't really consider mm-hmm. being like, or like creating a spice, you mm-hmm. know, it's... uh it's quite it's really, a task. It's really, uh, you know, that's what that's what nature does. You know, that's uh, that's in the purview of uh, of Mother Nature. You know, she gives us the bounty. Um, it's up to us to make best use of it uh, or discover what to use it for. I mean, it's always nice to be able to uh, forage for your uh, for some of your spices and your vegetables and your fruits and nuts and things like that, but. Living in a city that's not always uh, possible. Um, it makes it harder. Definitely. But I mean, um, in terms of like creating like spice blends, you know, using uh, different spices in certain combinations, that's always, that's the fun part. That's the essence of it, you know, is uh, finding out how much of and what proportions work well with certain kinds of meat, whether it's fatty or lean, uh, whether you're, grilling or frying or braising or roasting you know it's uh that's that's the that's sort of the essence of it you know is trying to figure all that out okay uh do you have any special kinds of knives to use and if so is it bought in a set or did you build that collection from one day i wanted that knife another day you got another knife um yeah well i have my i have my set of knives you know i really uh Really love them. I mean, whether they're special or not, like unique or whatever, um, I uh, I definitely put them through hell. <laughs> you know, uh, you really try- used them, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I use them, but also um, I'm always uh, I like to sharpen my own knives. And um, when I first purchased my knives, I really had no idea how to sharpen them, but I was still determined to try and learn, anyways. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely, they they've been marked up quite a bit but um yeah you know i have uh, a nice uh, german steel boning knife uh, i have a great uh swiss swiss steel uh swiss made um steak knife i also got a couple japanese knives which i use for more finer and delicate work um but you know they, they all have their uses um and yeah how, I mean, ma- how many do you have uh in your collection yeah let's see i got uh, and also do you name them no i don't (laughs) don't really name them um but uh they definitely have a have a have a have a place in my heart for sure oh yeah well speaking about that my (laughs) grandfather uh before he passed away he had this spoon that he would use for everything 
Is that right? And now it's probably this this actual spoon size is probably the size of a quarter. <laughs> we still have it here. I'll show it to you after, but he nice. uses it. It's a nub, but wow. he just abuses it and it has yeah, so much yeah. flavors in it. So I'm guessing that's going to be pretty much the same thing for your knives. Your knives are going to end up being a little pocket knives by the time you're done with it. <laughs> they're they're going to uh yeah well you know that's the the thing about uh sharpening your own knives is if you end up doing it correctly you don't take a whole lot of steel off so okay. you can um keep it for quite some time but um they definitely will get different colors um you know on the steel like the steel will start to oxidize mm, over the years um and i definitely expect them to to look pretty pretty beat up by the time i'm finished with them which is so, probably actually never <laughs> so you've not replaced any so far right no i mean i uh well i haven't been using my own knives uh for too long probably only about uh four four uh, five years i guess but uh really since i started to become a butcher my knives get a lot more used than they used to be so they're kind of uh Get getting there. I mean, yeah, yeah. got a couple, a couple of good marks, but they still have a long life ahead of them for sure. And uh, you were saying you you had trouble at first trying to learn how to sharpen them correctly. Do you have it down to a science right now? Because I know there's different grains of not. I wouldn't say it's sandpaper, but rock or stone that you use to sharpen. You don't use one of those things you buy from IKEA to sharpen your knives. You use yeah, no, I use uh, I use water stones. Mm -hmm. uh, and they definitely, they come in all kinds of different uh, grains or grits. But uh, no, I definitely don't have it down. <laughs> no. I mean, there there is a science to it for sure. But um, no, I mean, uh, still, uh, it's it's all about practice. You of know, course. Uh, uh, getting comfortable with the, with the technique. I am adequate enough to get them sharp to a certain degree. But it was really... Uh, Maybe, yeah, it was about a month or so ago that I was really quite humbled. I thought I was starting to get, get the hang of it. You know, <laughs> I I had sharp, been sharpening it for a couple of years and I thought I knew how to put an edge on my blades. And then I met uh, a Japanese blacksmith who sharpened the knife in front of me and showed me how sharp he could get it in less than uh, 15 minutes. And really? I was just definitely uh, blown away by that, um, and he set definitely set the bar pretty high. So now I'm always trying to get it to be at least close, as close as I can get to that level of sharpness that I experienced. It must be mesmerizing just to watch him do it. Oh yeah, it uh, it was uh, pretty magical for sure. <laughs> I mean, he uh, he just is so smooth on on the. He was just so smooth on the stone uh, with the knife. It was almost silent. He, hardly pressing onto the uh, stone at all, but still managing to get that incredible razor edge. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I uh, would definitely like to see more of that on a regular basis so that I can constantly be taking notes and <laughs> figuring out how I can do that. <laughs> well, you got to teach me how to do it because I'm pretty bad at sharpening my knives when it comes to that. I I have to admit, I'm kind of lazy. I use the ones that you get from like Ikea or Costco or Canadian Tire, those things. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. You must be like, ugh. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. For I mean, a beginner, for a beginner. Well, they still get, uh, Somewhat they still of the get job. Your, your blades decently sharp. They just... Um, After a while, uh, you want to carefully go through it. I get it. I get it. Well, I mean, it's like if you invest in 
um, a lot of money in a knife, you're going to want to probably take care of that knife. And yeah. sometimes those electric sharpeners aren't the best fit for a really expensive knife. But I mean, not everybody has an expensive knife and it's not always worth it to invest that much time and energy in figuring out how to freehand sharpen, you know, your $20 knife. Um, there's a lot better and easier ways to do it um, in order to keep keep cooking at a safe uh, level with a sharp knife. Okay. Do you have any recommendations of meat I should try cooking? And if so, how should I cook it? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely would really recommend you try, uh, lamb belly or lamb breast as, uh, it sometimes is called, uh, really flavorful. Yeah. It's, uh, I was really blown away by it when I first tried it often, uh, used to go into our, uh, ground lamb for lamb sausages, but we started realizing that if you, uh, slow cook it or, uh, slice it thin and uh, sear it quickly it's really quite flavorful absolutely delicious the perfect amount of fat and meat it's uh absolutely beautiful you should definitely try it see see this is why this was maybe a mistake to bring andrew on the show because now my whole mouth is watering <laughs> constantly just him talking about meat i'm not saying it's a mistake to have him here but he's just making me hungry by just talking about this um are there any misconceptions for people who are meat, let's say, enthusiasts or who are butchers and stuff like that? Uh, misconceptions? I don't know. I mean, uh, I kind of feel like uh, as a butcher, people maybe think that I don't, you know, uh, think that there's a place for like, I don't know, certain kinds of uh, like vegetarianism and veganism and things like that, you know, uh, that's that's often not the case at all. I mean, uh, everybody's got the right to choose um, what they eat. Definitely not against uh, anybody who wants to be a vegetarian or a vegan. By all means, go for it. I just kind of uh, feel like we should all have that option and we shouldn't be trying to impose our meat uh, or like, you know, our ideas about cooking on each other like you know let's talk about it let's not try and uh force this on each other and i'm, I'm just kind of thinking about um some of those activists that target small uh butcher shops and locally owned uh restaurants that serve uh, meat and people seem to get all up in arms about that it's kind of a kind of a problem that i think uh the message that these activists are often portraying is that uh, even though we're consuming meat, we don't care about the welfare of our of the animals that we deal with. That we don't think that their lives were important, or even that uh, they had any value beyond you know the steak that gets set on the table for dinner. Um, I definitely don't think that's the case. I feel like. A lot of, you know, butchers and cooks that are working with meat um, know the importance and the value of uh, the way the animal was treated and and how that can affect the quality, not just of the uh, eating experience, but the quality of the land and the quality 
of the future that we're leaving for our next generations. Um, it's uh, best to approach these things from the holistic perspective, uh, just because we tend to work with meat all day and people think maybe uh, that that is uh, sort of skewing our worldview. I mean, it sh maybe it is, but we definitely, uh, it's, it's important to not lose sight of the bigger picture. And I definitely feel like being on the front lines of uh, where people get their food, um, we have sort of a, a bit of insight into that and we're able to uh, get a really good idea of the way people eat from that wider perspective. Okay. So we just pretty much all have to get along and try to understand each other instead of just jumping to conclusion and making assumptions. Yeah, you know, we just talk it out. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, We're human. Nothing, uh, nothing can't be solved over a good barbecue, whether you're <laughs> exactly. barbecuing, you know, uh, vegetables and tofu or uh, rib steaks and uh, and uh, pork chops, you know. it. Uh, Everybody's got to eat. Exactly, <laughs> you know, we all got to eat and there's always a uh, good flavor to be had. Mm. How did preparing meats or butchering or anything like that had an impact on your perspective on life? Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, pretty interesting that I deal in a way with death so much. Mm -hmm. um, working with carcasses all day long in a way has made, perhaps maybe come to appreciate life a little bit more. Um, I don't know if that makes sense no, it you does, know, it does. but um definitely being surrounded by uh death you know at work kind of makes me want to uh celebrate life a lot more when i'm outside of work even though i am celebrating it i find ways to celebrate it in the shop as well um it's often for a different reason um so i don't know i mean maybe maybe it's led me to that a little bit more but yeah i don't know okay okay and do you consider yourself a professional at your hobby or is it you're still new at it when i say professional meaning you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody on a discussion about meat um i don't know i mean uh i feel like there's still so much for me to learn there are a lot of people out there that will forget more than i will than i know already um i'm pretty new at it so I mean, I can definitely hold down a meat conversation. I uh, I have the interest in it, and I've done a little bit of homework. Um, just but, just uh, a little. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope hope to one day uh, be able to consider myself a professional. But I think that's it's a bit bit early um, uh, for me to like feel like you know I I've mastered the the, the trade mm -hmm. or anything like that. I've only been solidly cutting meat most days for two years and just had, you know, that sort of interest in it for like four or five years. And, you know, there are people that have been doing this, you know, every day, day in, day out for like 30, 40, 50 years, even definitely. I can't put myself up on that level, but you're getting there. That's but, the idea. Uh, yeah. One, one day. For one sure. day. <laughs> um, do you want to present your hobby to the world or use it as an escape from reality? Um, Hmm. I Definitely, I would want to, you know, spread it with the world. Um, I kind of feel like more people should take an interest in where their food is coming from and how to prepare it uh, properly. 
A, because, you know, they'll, I think, get a lot more enjoyment out of it. And B, you know, there's a lot uh, uh, to be said for cooking uh, your own meals, uh, especially, you know, in a family or communal setting. There's a lot of uh, bonds that can be built over uh, uh, cooking a good meal and kind of feel like that's something we should all be experiencing. So definitely I would uh, want to spread that with as many people as I could. Share the love, right? That's it. You know, I mean, uh, that's what it's all about. Um, What was your biggest challenge when you first started learning about preparing meat or cutting meat or cooking it? Probably my biggest trouble with, you know, learning to cut me was just uh, figuring out the basic structures and the muscles and the seams, you know, so that you don't cut into all the nice steaks and uh, things like that. You know, you don't want to make a mess of it. So learning that is probably the hardest thing. And once you get uh, get it down right, you can just become faster and faster at it. But in terms of uh, cooking, I feel like, <laughs> you know, believe it or not, the one of the hardest parts about it is uh, is eating all all the food. You know, it's like oh, <laughs> oh, oh that's horrible. It's Ugh. terrible, but you know, it's like uh, I definitely I, I want to be trying uh, three different styles of this or that, and you end up, or I end up always cooking way too much and uh, stuffing my face. But um, sometimes you know you end up with a a fridge full of leftovers and kind of want to cook something new but you know you got to finish off those leftovers of course um so you got to get creative with those and sometimes you know mix and match those together so so you would say that is that was your biggest challenge when you first started and also your challenge now or do you have a different challenge now when it comes to preparing cutting and cooking meat um yeah, I mean, uh, that's always that's always a challenge. I, I haven't learned too much <laughs> over so the years. We just got to get you a bigger fridge. Control. Just yeah, a... <laughs> you know, or uh, come on over and help me finish off my leftovers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's not, I'll help you with the dirty, dirty stuff. <laughs> or yeah. just, uh, you know, fin- uh, we can uh, cook a whole bunch of different things together and I can get your feedback. Speaking about that, uh, yeah, I remember this summer you did cook a full lamb. Yeah. And that yeah, was that good. Was fun. And that took you how long? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the actual grilling and roasting of it, I think it was about six and a half hours, but, uh, we definitely had that, uh, marinating mm-hmm. overnight, um, uh, in spices. So sort of a day, whole day event. Andrew was there longer than me, but we just sit, sat there and just watched it cook. <laughs> it was actually really relaxing just to every now and then to add that other layer of spices and marinating it and it tasted good absolutely yeah just sitting in front of the uh the rotisserie yeah it's a good time for sure but you know what i was surprised that kids would come by and they weren't grossed out they were more curious and uh it was great andrew was just answering all their questions i have it on video (laughs) and it's just amazing that these kids just want to know more about it and andrew handled it like a pro it was like a at the end of a sports game where they have that sports conference, Andrew was just answering questions left and right, and it was great. But it, at that point, I noticed that, hey, kids are curious, even though with everything happening in the world today, the controversy of eating meat or you know, killing animals and stuff like that, they still want to know a little bit more, and they were not judgmental. They were coming with an open mind, which was amazing. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, it was, uh, it was really fun to, uh, to do that with those, all those, uh, young minds, you know, they're having all these questions about the whole animal and cooking the whole animal and what that meant. Uh, so it was really, it was really kind of neat, um, to see that they weren't, uh, too afraid of that. You know, they were more, uh, interested in, well, why the whole animal and, you know, what is that and this and why would you eat that and this and yeah, it was, it was a good time. They had, they had good questions. For sure. Um, do you have any word of advice for anyone who might be interested in this hobby? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just, uh, don't be afraid to try some, some new spices and, um, just go for it. Sometimes the best meals are those meals that you make, uh, and improvise on the fly. Don't try and get bo- too bogged down by following recipes. Uh, I kind of used to think that um, recipes were there for a reason. You, you were supposed to follow them, but uh, you gotta you gotta live in the moment. And you know, if you're feeling like you want to put some more of this or some more of that in your uh, meal, just do it. You know, just do it and find out uh, how it turns out and go from there. You know, don't don't be afraid to go heavy on the spice or light on the spice or whatever it is that you're feeling. So mistakes are the best teachers. Absolutely. All right. And do you have any links, websites, Instagram page, or anything like that you want to share with the listeners? Um, well, I don't really have uh, any like websites just yet. I mean, I'm sort of thinking about maybe writing a, uh, a blog of some kind in the near future. But um, really, I just have uh, an Instagram account that I'm sort of been uh, hustling you know, lately. So you can follow me at... Uh, local butcher at Instagram and uh, you'll see uh, pictures of the meals that I'm trying and the uh, cuts that I'm preparing in the shop and uh, different uh, things that I'm working on as I sort of cook my way through the wonderful world of uh, meat. All right. So once again, if you want to learn more about Andrew, I'll put the link in the description below so you can click it or copy paste or whatever you want to do. You can find him and follow him. He has some pretty good pictures. And once again, it makes your mouth water by just looking at it. Um, So what I do on this show too is I throw the question back to you to ask me. So do you have any questions about preparing meat or butchering or anything like that? So it kind of puts the perspective of somebody who's not very experienced answering a question about your passion. I don't know. I guess uh, I would ask, uh, what's your favorite uh, meat to cook and why? I actually like turkey. Is that right? Yeah. Like turkey uh, breast or? Turkey breast. Yeah. And I like doing a lot of different things with turkey. Oh, I kind of prefer turkey over chicken for some reason. So my food chain would be turkey, beef, pork, chicken. Nice. Nice. And nice. well, here's, I know I'm going a little off the question, but I remember this one time Andrew told me to cook this, uh, I think I can't remember what it was, but it was a specific type of meat on the pan, just straight on the pan. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go cook it. And my whole apartment was filled with smoke. Uh, and then I told oops. Andrew about it and he's like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of smoke. Yeah. I might've <laughs> forgot to mention that. Yeah. It's uh, something that I was always used to, uh, uh, working in a professional kitchen before. And even, you know, uh, back at my old uh, parents place, we always had, 
a uh, hood fan over the stove mm-hmm. and uh that wasn't enough for yeah. me <laughs> oh, yeah. all the windows were open all the fire alarms are going off my wife was waking up and she comes in to smoke me just waving everything oh dear <laughs> but it was still good hopefully despite the smoke covering the entire room yeah sometimes it's uh it's worth <laughs> it i mean uh, i don't have any of that stuff in my apartment but uh you definitely try and work out a system with a series of fans and open windows and Try and do the best you can. Using anything you can to make a fictional fan or like a... Exactly. It's always worth it in the end, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Andrew, for joining me on this podcast. Uh, I'm so glad I learned a little bit more about meat. And if you'd like to learn more about Andrew, you can listen to this podcast again. Or follow him on Instagram where he posts amazing pictures of what he does at work. Glocal Butcher, Correct. That's right. All right. Uh, once again, I'll put the link in the description so you could find him there. And if you would like to be on the show or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. So until the next time, make some time for your hobby. Take care.